poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of Tactical Tuesday. Today, I am joined, shockingly, by my co-host, John Howard. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, they'll let just anybody co-host <laughs> Tactical Tuesday these days. Um, so let's set up today's show for the CPG listener. What's the, what's the thread? What's the theme? Uh, not too much of a theme strategy wise between the two hands. Um, they're two, uh, hands from two KNL that, um, I played recently, um, been mixing and trying to mix in, uh, shot takes at two KNL here and there. I don't know, just feeling especially confident about my game these days, given, uh, how effective the wolf strats, uh, have been working or how effectively the wolf strats have been working. So yeah, sure. Here are a couple hands from, uh, the highest stakes on ignition Bavada. Yeah, I've heard through the grapevine that you've been playing some live poker as well at the Commerce Casino. Yes. Wolf Strats also work live. That's <laughs> <laughs> my report. Yeah, at uh, LAPC's going down right now, right? Yeah, so there's been some pretty good uh, pretty good action pretty much every day at Commerce. Um, I've only been playing for like the last, the last two days, but kind of just eyeing the number of games on Bravo. Um, just probably the best action that... that uh, that's been in LA since since the pandemic, so just uh, trying to get in there and mix it up with some live poker. Actually, I've actually been having a good time. I think I, I just taking a break from uh, the online grind is, is is good. Doing it once in a while. Yeah, going back to your original haunts, um, being a, a live poker player now. Now yeah. now that you've experienced online poker and all of its glory for the past couple of years, uh, what's the feeling playing live poker? You know. Uh, going from, you know, live poker to online poker, and now from online poker to live poker again. I think live poker is like going on vacation. <laughs> yeah, going on vacation where you win money. Yeah, vacation. Pay vacation. There you go. Um, hopefully, you can play some some big pots in live poker. Uh, and in the 2K streets this year, we can have our yearly report um, like we did a couple of episodes ago of your biggest winning and losing pots. And yeah, let's get some, let's get some at least five figures in there this year. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully I can win one of those five yeah. figure pots. <laughs> yes, you, had a, you had a five figure losing one last year. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. No five figure winning one. So let's, let's even up the, the, the score a little bit. All right, so let's start start with this hand. Um, I'm in the small blind, ace of clubs, queen of diamonds. Uh, the fish at the table, who's in the cutoff, opens to $40. Uh, just assuming he's a fish since he starts with 50 big blinds in a stack. I three bet to $160. The big blind folds, and the fish calls. Really, really good flop. Ace, ace, three. Two hearts. Um, Going to be c-betting small on this board with most of my range what i go ahead and do see about one third fish calls 
And the board double pairs on the turn, so it's now an ace-ace-3-3 three, three board with two flush draws. Um, I think this is kind of the decision point for the hand, or probably the, the biggest decision point for the hand. Um, betting, checking, check jamming, like all, the, all of those questions. Yeah, a lot of options on the table, right? Yeah. I mean, I would just check, I think, with SP, SPR 1.5. Um, give villain an opportunity to bet with their lower equity hands that they have in range. And also if they have a hand like, uh, I don't know, pocket fives or sixes or sevens, um, we can reduce, uh, you know, eliminate one street if it goes check, check, and then just bet the river for value against those hands. I think they may have some trouble holding up facing like two more bets. Um, so basically the hands that villain wants to play for two more bets um, that are good hands, you're chopping with all of them and losing to quads. Um, and then the bad hands that want to play for two bets are pretty much all of their floats or bluffs. Uh, and then the other hands that they have in range, you probably just want to play for one bet. And so given that's the situation, giving them a chance to put two bets in with their bluffs just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that was my thought process as well in this hand. Um, I think the, like you mentioned early on, the SPR makes, I think makes our decision significantly easier. Like we don't have to be overly concerned with finding creative ways to get all the money in. We can just kind of either let him hang himself or uh, value bet the river for 1.5 X. Oh, I don't think I would actually do that, but if we, if we wanted to like that, that wouldn't be that crazy. Um, but yeah, I think these, these like double paired boards, uh, especially I, I think maybe newer players or, or lower stakes players, I think are, might have some questions about like how to play everything from like top boat to like anything that's not top boat in these hands or in these spots. So um, while it's like a pretty, I don't know, I think for you and me, it's probably a very simple decision to to check this turn. Um, might not be as apparent to everyone else. Yeah. I mean, there's one way to get, there, there are two ways to get value, right? Um, villain has to have a hand that pays you off when you have a really good hand or villain has nothing and tries to make you fold when you have a really good hand um, and getting value from that second portion of their range is just quite an important thing to consider when, you know, deploying any sort of value bet strategy that, that you have. Um, so you check and now the villain bets a third here on the turn options would be to check jam or check call. I think that given what we've just discussed about the type of hand that they have here, it being, um, you know, either nothing or a chop that calling seems like the real only reasonable option. Yeah, I agree. We just don't want to, we want to make sure he puts in the rest of his money with like his heart, heart hands or spade, spade hands that float the flop. Um, and those hands are all certainly going to fold if we either raise or jam over this bet. So just keep, keep giving villain rope to bluff. Yeah. I mean, they don't even necessarily have to be hearts or spades. It could be king queen off or <laughs> just some some random thing that they decide to call versus right. the the flop one third with. Um, I think that's like one of the benefits that gets kind of under talked about about the flop one third is like it forces villains to continue with a really really wide range, especially when they're in position. And I think uh, when it's like a, a weaker player, it's not much of a a force type situation. It's an enticement. Yeah, like yeah. ooh, this hey, is look, this is smaller than what I think. Three about two pre-flop like. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I should call this. Let's see, see, see what I can do on the turn. 
Okay, maybe that's maybe that's how it works. Against regs, it's definitely I definitely I'm I'm pretty confident it's like get them to the turn really wide and force them to bluff. But yeah, um, yeah, maybe maybe different against fish. I, I'm really impressed that this guy found the sizing. To be honest, for a for a weaker player, like I would not have expected them to bust out the one third. Um, I think is a really really good size <laughs> to his credit. Yeah, uh, maybe he's not as bad as we thought, but well, I mean, nothing really about this hand uh, like really indicates that they are a specifically like super weak player um, yeah. when we really, when we look at it total. Um, so you call the turn villain has seven Oh five. The board is ace, ace, three, three, uh, two hearts on the turn. There's eight eighty two in the pot. Villain has seven Oh five. The river is the king of hearts. So it completes the front door flush draw. Um, you have villain covered here. And again, like we were saying, you know, just sort of checking, giving them a chance to, put the rest of the money in um, with the the weaker portion of the range, which they go ahead and oblige. And then I'm guessing you're, it's a pure call here. We're not, we're not folding yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. the full house. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's quite, quite, quite nitty of you, but I'd have threes. Yeah. I'll get threes. Or quite loose of you actually quite loose <laughs> to, to just be calling here every time. But um, yeah, so you call and villain shows the four or five of spades, which, Going back to like what what I was just saying about nothing about this hand really indicates that the player's like super out of line. I mean, you know, I don't. I think every decision they made is like okay. It's not like crazy here, and the hand yeah. they have, I think, makes a lot of sense. I think everything they did post flop is is was actually like really well played. Um, I I would say pre flop might be the one place where we can maybe point to. Him being a weaker player, I think, especially at fifty bigs, peeling the three bet with five four suited, it's a little, yeah. little too wide for me. We're four hunt, we're four handed. They open men, and you three bet, uh, you three bet four x. I don't know. I could justify it, like, but yeah. To be fair, I'm not floating four five suited. <laughs> <laughs> well, three yeah. bet, so I'm yeah. just there. You go. Yeah. So maybe this player wasn't such a weak player at all. But either way, um, the plan worked. Uh, versus both stronger and weaker players. Um, giving people a chance to put money in when they have uh, very little equity is like an okay plan. It's a thing that that can make some money. Um, so now we're going to segue to the break and hand number two. I can't really remember hand number two at all if you want to set it up. Uh, my hand is not very good on the river in hand number two. <laughs> all, right. and all the money still goes in. <laughs> all right, so stick around for that. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Pre-flop bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your pre-flop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your pre-flop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. Yeah, before boot camp, I had been playing for maybe 15 years, somewhat seriously, always trying to get better, jumping from learning program to different learning programs and training site to training site. 
kind of feeling a little bit lost, not really knowing how to go about getting better. And preflop boot camp just felt like a great starting point, a way for me to to move from being a losing player to, to possibly a winning player. It felt like the right first step. Once you jumped in boot camp, what was your experience like? Well, first off, I realized that I'd been making a lot of mistakes prior to boot camp, kind of learning what Rangers should look like and what hands should be played in what situations. You know, it was it was exciting because I I could see what other people had been doing to me, what kind of what I had been missing in my game. And then from there, just the whole camaraderie of everybody that's um, signed up, working together, trying to achieve that goal. You know, that, that was fun. That's uh, pushing each other and really helping uh, one another, kind of feeling like you're a part of a team. It was, uh, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed the process and I learned a lot. What was your experience like playing cards post boot camp? It's a totally different experience. You know, it put me in a position to be successful as opposed to always being behind the eight ball and, and playing catch up. Um, I really feel like it's it's the foundation of, of a solid poker game. And uh, since boot camp, I've been able to, to turn a profit and keep building on what I learned there. You know, being able to go back into the group and uh, re really work together even after boot camp was over, it's it's been awesome. What's your sample size of winning post boot camp? I think I have 70,000 hands played by now, you know, I'm a father and I have a job, so I'm not a, a professional player by any means. That's my sample size. Preflop Bootcamp is the flagship Chasing Poker Greatness training program. If you'd like to dramatically upgrade your preflop game, a new bootcamp launches on the last Saturday of every single month. The price is $199 and your link to join is ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. One more time, that's chasingpokergreatness.com slash bootcamp, all one word, or you can click through in the description box of this episode. All right, welcome back from the break. And we have hand number two sitting in front of us. And before we dive into the second hand here, just want to let you know that still taking application for the Wolves program. Uh, I believe there is one or two slots that remain available at cpgwolves.com. If you want to apply, um, feel like you're ready to take that step. Uh, and with that little wolf plug here, um, now let's dive into the second hand where you got an ace and a five, and apparently you're not going to make much with it but <laughs> i don't think that's ever stopped you from putting all the money in it does here. not here yeah so i opened the 50 dollars in the cutoff uh we're playing four-handed again ace five of spades like brad said the big blind three bets to 220 dollars 11 big blinds i think that's completely the expected size um What's the stack a, size yeah i just did a hud stat check on the big blind because of his stack size and can't really tell he's playing 17 14 9 over 60 hands which is a little bit on the tight side but i mean you force me to categorize him i'd say reg yeah all right so we have a 
a quote-unquote reg on the tight side who three bets that doesn't have a full stack for some reason. I mean, not having a full stack, I mean, like in the big blind, you could just like have played the previous hand, gotten three bet called, uh, check folded flop, and just not gotten to reload. So, I mean, sure. you know, because Ignition still doesn't have auto top off. Ignition, come on, we need the auto top off. Wait, here is it. Yeah, so you flat, there's 450 in the pot. Um, villain has 1500 basically behind. You have them covered. Flop is jack 10, nine with the jack 10 of hearts and the nine of spades. So we got back doors. Um, we got back doors, baby. <laughs> villain bets a third. And I'm guessing you don't fold. <clears throat> I do not fold. I, I honestly don't know about this call. Like when I do my hand reviews, uh, when I look over my hands, one thing that I've noticed recently is that I, I, I seem to be floating this spot very, very, very <laughs> frequently and very, very wide. Like this is like, you know, Ace by the Spades, like it seems like really, really reasonable compared to like all the other, a lot of the other hands that I've seen myself calling this, calling this bet with. Um, yeah. And sometimes I even like float when they bet like half pot, you know, like that's where, I, where I'm like, okay, maybe I really need to start making some changes, especially versus half pot. Uh, wow. Versus a third, I feel good. As a human being that has seen your progression as a poker player from up close over the past year and a half, I could say that like I like this development of like floating too much versus folding too much. Um, it's just it's just diametrically opposed to like how how you used to play flops, which is just kind of funny to me. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure like a year and a half ago or whenever we started coaching up, I might have just folded this flop. I I I remember specifically. Not that long ago, maybe seven or eight months ago, it was like we were looking at some of the hands that I played, and you're like, "Wow, you'd never fold the flop. Like, do you ever fold to like any sort of bet?" I'm like, "Dude, they're betting like a third. What do you want me to do?" Like, <laughs> and now here we are. Dude, they're uh, betting like a third. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Um. All right. So you defend, and you know you get a beautiful turn here. The eight of hearts, which still gives you nothing and doesn't upgrade your flush draw. Um, and there's a four liner on the board now. So please check, please check, please check. <laughs> and they check. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I expect uh big blind maybe to be checking even range on this turn. Like it's such an equity shifting turn um, that I think finding a bet here might be, it's just, it would be so hard to uh, come up with like a, coherent like betting and checking range in this line and this on this particular turn that i think it's very reasonable for the big line to be checking range um mm -hmm. and just figure it out from there so not surprised to see him check um the fact we that he's checking range makes me sorry uh, i was gonna say we didn't even talk about the fact that like they bet the flop on this board which typically indicates that they have some kind of hand yeah 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 that's a good point like very like, very dynamic connected board that like maybe they're not betting hands like you know, it would be reasonable not to bet aces or kings or something, right? Yeah, or ace jack or king jack, right, or right, right. Those type of hands. So, so, just wanted to point that out that like they did see bet this board. I I do think that does indicate that they have like some sort of connectivity with the board. Okay. Um, yeah, just going gonna, back. Not to gonna stop thing. you. Yeah, just. <laughs> <laughs> you, you bet a third, dude. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the fact that he checks and that I expect him to check range doesn't make me feel particularly confident about just blasting off in this spot. Like you're just gonna have strong, they're gonna have flushes, you're gonna have queen X, you're gonna have king queen sets and like aces with a heart that are just you know lots of hands in there that are very, very strong and are gonna be able to call um, you know, 
play for all the money. But that didn't stop me. So yeah. <laughs> here we go. The man is not deterred. He did not call the one third flop bet to start checking it down. Um, so you bet four twenty seven, leaving them with about a thousand behind. Uh, there's 1600 in the pot. And so the hands that you were hoping they had on the turn, maybe some sets or two pair, um, they all get promoted <laughs> pretty much, uh, on the river rivers, the Jack of diamonds. So the board is Jack, Jack, 10, nine, eight, I will say, I guess like eight, nine and nine, 10, um, that those, those don't get promoted. Mm, no. Um, so, but Jack 10, Jack nine, uh, those hands do. Pocket tens, pocket nines, pocket eights. Those hands turn into full houses. Uh, well, yeah, that makes quads, but there's only one combo of those. Um, so villain checks here and seemingly without uh, villain having a hand that can fold. I, I had this sneaking suspicion that you did not check behind. Did not check behind. I was not feeling great about this bluff though, especially on, you know, I, I sort of, you know, like a little bit of internal panic, like, ah, what am I targeting now? Yeah. The, the fold. Um, funny story, like maybe five hours before we reviewed this hand, I was doing a hand review of hands that I played with Shu, uh, the associate coach for Chasing Poker Greatness. And we ran into a really similar spot like this where I was bluffing and then the board paired on the river. And then I, panicked and thought like, wow, there's nothing I can, you know, like, what am I even repping? Right. Like, what am I saying that I had on the turn that like loves, that wants to play for it all on the river suddenly? Like mm -hmm. I got into that spot and for like, like the one time in like the entire hand review, I didn't pull the trigger on a bluff. I just gave up with like King high or something like that. And the guy had like ace high spades that missed, you know, just like <laughs> yeah. and he checked back and she was just like, he was like, dude, you got to bluff these spots. But I know like, you know, you think like they don't have hands that can fold, but they always have hands that can fold. Like, but like you, you got to go for, you cannot pull the trigger in the spot. So like the same spot, like very similar board, very similar situation. Just five hours later, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to, I don't know what I'm hoping to fold. I don't know what I'm repping, but I just learned about this. So <laughs> <laughs> Shu just ripped me a new one for a very similar spot. Um, and the good news is, you know, you can just blame Shu if everything goes to hell in a handbasket, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, that yeah, that's, that's, that's the built-in, um, you know, the built-in relief valve. Uh, so villain checks, you go for it. Um, and the villain tank, and they fold. Wow, it went through. Uh, wow. it, it went through and um, we'll show what they have. Maybe there's some hands they fold like aces with the ace of hearts. Some good yeah. hands. I mean, not, not hands like this. Ace of hearts and the king of spades is what they ended up folding here. So they turned the nut flush draw, check called turn and folded the river. Um, I'm a little, I think their line is a little sus here with the ace of hearts, king of spades. Um, <clears throat> what do you mean? I mean, I don't love it either, but I wonder if we're thinking. Well, about I mean, this. like they, they could, Check raise all in on the turn. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know that I love uh, them calling the turn. Like, what did you bet on the turn? Like, close to half pot? I mean, more. Yeah. Oh, more than half pot. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah. Just stick it in, man. Stick it in and hope for the best. Right. Isn't that, yeah. isn't that the chase? What's the worst that can happen? You have ace king. Right? You have a gut shot in the nut flush draw. Like, what, what, what? Yeah. See, that's that's the mantra for Tactical Tuesday. Just stick it in and <laughs> hope for the best. Um, 
If you don't stick it in and hope for the best on the turn, I'll do it on the river. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just uh, it's a game of chicken, um, and the first person to stick it in and hope for the best wins. Um, yeah, in this yeah. case, you did win. So adventures in 2K and L land going well, um, going well this month, and um, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully continues, and hopefully we'll have some more 2KNL hands to break down on Tactical Tuesday, and maybe some live poker hands um, from LAPC. Yeah, more likely live hands next week than uh, 2K hands, given how much fun I've been having playing live. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, looking forward to it, man. And um, yeah, best of luck in the streets. And yeah, I think we've said everything that needs to be said for this episode of the show. See you next week. <laughs> I don't even need to be prompted anymore. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast. Thank you.